Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Whoop, whoop. All right, and welcome to Podcast 393, Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here as we take a dive. And how do you sell over the phone? How do you increase your presentation skills? How do you communicate better? How do you persuade with power? How do you use your voice of the above? The things you should have learned in school, the things that will increase your success and your income. I think I'm supposed to say this is not financial advice, but it is, sort of, kind of. It'll increase your success and your ability to influence on command. Get more persuasion tools. Quit trying to chop down that tree with a hammer. Get better tools like a chainsaw, a stick of dynamite, a backhoe. There are better options out there. Hope everyone's having a great week. Did a two-day face-to-face seminar this week in a town that about, you know, 1,100 people. Kind of interesting, a small town. Kind of fun, a different atmosphere when you're in a small town. Not a lot of restaurant options, but hey, that is besides the point. It was a lot of fun. Talked about all the tools of persuasion and influence. It's interesting because you can talk about bullying and harassment, intimidation and coercion and threats. That's influence, all negative forms of influence, and they are usually used when people don't have very many persuasion tools. I mean, why do you use threats? Why do you intimidate? Why do you coerce? Why do you bully? Usually because you don't have that many tools. I mean, there's some other reasons, but that is a main reason. People have seen it happening. They use it. It's simple. Do it, you're fired. I mean, hey, that's pretty simple. Short-term compliance, but then you get long-term resentment and rebellion. And, of course, we call that anti-suasion. So let's dive into the persuasion blunder of the week. Homer! Don't, don't, don't! (laughs) This happened this week. Staying at a national chain, a hotel. Anyway, it wasn't in the city where I spoke at. I had to go to a bigger city to find a place to stay. I get there, checking in, have to wait in line. Eh, Not a big deal. They give me my keys. They were pretty friendly. Went to my room and the keys didn't work. All right, all right. I can deal with that. Went back to the lobby and this guy says, oh, okay, let me see if it's your fault, okay? I tell him my keys aren't working and he says, let me see if it's your fault. I don't know how many things you could find wrong with that, but we've talked about it on the podcast before that in any situation, especially hotels, especially in the service industry, if the first two or three things go wrong, you look for everything that goes wrong. But of course, on the flip side, if the first couple of things go right, then the rest, you look for things that are going right. So he blames me to see if it's my fault that the keys didn't work. Now, let's say it was my fault. I don't know how to put in the card, I guess. It's still not something you want to say. Remember, the human brain needs to be right. And of course, it wasn't my fault. He gave me new keys. Didn't even apologize for the inconvenience of coming back. And then, of course, on the flip side, they didn't clean my room, which is kind of a trend, but they should still warn you. And I ate food at the restaurant, got a burger, and they broke the most important law of a burger because it was takeout. No mayonnaise. 
I love my mayonnaise. No mayonnaise. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go back. And so there was a series of things that went wrong that if any one of those would have happened, not a big deal. But when you get all of them and you're looking for things that are going wrong, yeah, they're not going to get five stars out of me. So be very careful when you're dealing with clients, customers, that the first couple of things go right. Number one, number two, don't be blaming your prospects, your clients for things that aren't their fault. There you go. That's the persuasion blunder of the week. Which brings us to the Geeky Weekly Scarly article. Brought to you by Effectiveology.com. And it comes from a few studies. One is from the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology and the Journal of Research in Personality. This is titled The False Consensus Effect. There's your phrase of the week, the false consensus effect, that people overestimate how much others are like them, or let me add, think like them. I've talked about it before, the woebegone effect, where we tend to rate our skills higher than they actually are. It's also known as a self-perception bias. I know when I teach persuasive presentations, and we record the first presentation, I have people rate themselves before they watch the video. The interesting thing is, people are usually way too high or way too low. I mean, that's why we can't coach ourselves. That's why the best athletes in the world need a coach, because we don't know that we don't know. We don't know what we're doing right or wrong. We just don't know. And usually, most people are way too high, especially with business skills or life skills or success skills. We tend to rate ourselves much higher. Now, if I ask you about nuclear energy or nuclear decay or things that weren't in your wheelhouse that you weren't expected to know, you probably rate yourself lower than you actually are in those skills. Remember, the human brain needs to be right. That's how we are. So the false consensus effect is a cognitive bias, a self-perception bias that causes people to overestimate how much others are like them, that they think like other people and their beliefs, their values, their characteristics. That's why people don't get along a lot of times is they think everyone thinks like them. Everyone should think like them. Everyone should behave like them. Everyone should have a personality like them. And that is not the case. And so this false consensus effect leads people to assume that people think and act just like them. And that is not the case. This comes down to social beliefs and even political beliefs that people assume the majority of the population agrees with them and shares those beliefs. And of course, we know that is not true. And they go on to say that people often believe that political candidates that they favor they assume have more support than they actually do. So there was a study done where university students were asked whether they would be willing to walk around the campus for 30 minutes while wearing a sign that says, Eat at Joe's. Then they were asked to estimate the portion of their peers that would do the same thing. Now, here's the reality. Only 53% said they would do it, but they said 65% would say yes. They estimate around 47% would refuse to do it, but the real number was 69%, showing that we're way off. Now, another piece of this is known as motivated reasoning. This reflects people's desire to feel good about themselves, believing that their opinions and their experiences and their behaviors are the norm. They're normal. No, they're not. I don't know if anybody can be normal. There's a self-perception bias where it this enhances people's self-esteem, social validation. They're part of the four out of the five dentists, the four, and they want to feel good about it. And that is not the case. And there's a variety of reasons for this. Many times we don't expose yourself to the information that is contrary to that. 
Another piece of that is cognitive availability. What that means is it's easier to think about our own opinions and experience and behaviors than to think about other people's. We're so absorbed with ourselves and our world. And that's just human nature. Something you need to know when you persuade is that people anchor themselves and just think that their own perspective, that anchor, is what everybody thinks and feels. And we know through science that's not true, even though that's how our brain works. So a lot of times people just are motivated to overgeneralize about their attitudes that are important to them. I mean, it could be political beliefs or other social beliefs. Even food preferences, they think, well, hey, I like this, and then everybody's probably liking this. And of course, again, that's not the case. So this false consensus effect, or we call it a projection bias, is out there. It's human nature. Now, if you're getting stuck there, you have to realize that most people have some differences, and that's okay, but you have to find what they are. And remember our rule, I've said this so many times on this podcast, is that your default setting is you tend to persuade others how you like to be persuaded, and that's completely wrong. You need to persuade people how they want to be persuaded. So, I mean, the big indicator here is be aware that you have this bias as part of your brain. Get out there and start engaging in alternative perspectives, other points of view, because you don't have a license on the truth. 100% of things you believe in aren't a license to the truth. In fact, go back to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I talked about why we disagree politically and why everyone thinks they have a license on the truth. And of course, nobody does. In fact, one of the most interesting exercises when I was working on a graduate degree, we were given this very controversial topic and we were to pick sides. And then once we chose a side, we were told to write a paper on the opposite side, the side we didn't agree with. What an eye-opener. How cool is that to get a different perspective, a different thought, instead of just holding on to your own personal beliefs? That's one way to do it. Take a look at the other side. And so it's always important to compare your perspective with others. You know, give yourself some distance from your own perspective and look at the data, see what's really going on. So bottom line, accounting for this effect can help you understand and predict people's behavior including your own. But always remember that there's variability involved, that all people are different, a different thoughts, perspective, and that's a good thing. That's what makes the world great. Nothing would be worse if we were all identical and had the same beliefs and thoughts and attitudes and personalities and culture. That is not what we want. Which brings us to what I call persuasion IQ skill number eight, which is our presentation and communication skills. Now, if you're interested in persuasive presentations, let me know. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Send me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But if you go to the website, that's where you can go to the archives. You can get your free, the newest edition book of Maximum Influence. I'll send that out to you. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. Take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Ping me if you want to know about persuasive presentations where I'm going to hold your hand and make you present with power to be more charismatic because... Anybody can present, but is it persuasive? So when you look at top persuaders, charismatic people, leaders, they know how to communicate. But then on the flip side, what are the complaints? Now, I want to focus more on the phone skills because we're doing more of that with COVID, and that's a different thing than presentation skills, but they do go hand in hand. But when I get to interview people after you've tried to persuade them, there are a lot of complaints out there with your communication skills. I mean, listening skills is always up there displaying your nerves or fear, prejudging and jumping to conclusions, always interrupting. You're coming across as arrogant. Oh, and then of course, speaking in monotone, lack of eye contact, 
Vocal fillers, um, or, uh, you know, destroys you. And you'd be surprised how many you're actually using. Sounding mechanical or rehearsed. And the big one, vomiting, showing up and throwing up, overloading the audience with too much information. So as I interview people and you're contacting my phone, I mean, that's great. You can contact anybody in the world by phone, but what are the complaints? What's rubbing them the wrong way? Let me tell you and pick the one you could probably work on. The first one is it sounds like you're on a script. You got to finish the script. You can't going to even breathe until you get to the point where you're going to ask that first question. Uh, repels people. Anti-suasion. The other one is the casual greetings. How you doing today? How's it going? Which is nice and People need that, but when they've heard it way too many times, cheesy, high lactose, anti-suasion, people don't want that. Next complaint is that you're too hard to understand. You're just speeding through it. You're not using your vocal variety or your verbal packaging, as I call it. One of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence. You're just cruising because you don't want to give them a word in edgewise. The other one is they just sounds like you're pretending to listen to them. You got to get back to your script. Lack of empathy. And that comes together with they're treated like they're dumb or stupid. They don't know what they're talking about. And you have a one size fits all solution for them without really understanding what their wants and needs are. So what do great persuaders do when they're talking on the phone? Let's spend some time with that. Let's talk about it. They take a few seconds to prepare, to review, to think about. Now, I know sometimes they're calling you, but even a few seconds to get in the zone, to get in the right state, or if you're making the phone call to review the information to find out more about them, your last phone call, or even the information they requested can go a long way. Great persuaders know, okay, what's my call to action? What is the purpose of this call? And what's interesting is they're polite but they smile during the conversation, which is crazy because it's over the phone. But even in customer service, that smile makes better evaluations for customer service and increases your close rate. But that's the key. You've got to listen still. Even though you can't see them, you have to listen to their tone of voice, their wants and needs, why they ask that. Peel the onion back to find out what they really, really want. And of course, everyone likes a little humor. They like the good manners. They like the optimism in your voice. And you're rated better when you truly listen and ask the right questions at the right time. We know that, but really, how do we apply this? What is the secret sauce here? Well, the secret sauce I mentioned is listening skills. But I mean, truly listen. You're on the phone, so the cool thing is you can take notes on the computer, on a pad of paper. You're really listening. You're brainstorming the questions. And before you interrupt, you can write it down so you don't interrupt. But really figure out what's going on. Again, I know you don't have the verbals, but you have a lot of the non-verbals that you can listen to. Make sure that you have good volume, but a big complaint too is it's too loud. You know, the mouthpiece, maybe an inch from your mouth. Maybe listen to recording, make sure you're not yelling. And of course, vary your speech rate, that monotone, the same rate. No, vary your rates. Let them know you're listening with your, uh-huh, really, tell me more. And vary that inflection. This is your weapon, your voice, your vocal variety, inflection, volume, rate, vocabulary, articulation. Man, if you're not recording yourself, you're not taking this seriously. I mean, that's how you improve. That's how you get better. This is how you're persuading. If your voice is too high, too low, too lame, too cold, I'll even say too warm, too soft, too loud, whatever it is, 
you've got to fix it. You've got to listen to that. So that's important. Even when you leave a message, that's your voice. Now, should you leave a message? Let's talk about this. This is your voice. Now, first thing I would talk about is don't leave a message. Try to get the person live. Call them early in the day. Call them late in the day. Whatever you need to do, try to get them live. If you can't, then you can leave a message. I mean, try it different times a day. Try to get them live. If you can't, okay, leave a message. Now, maybe you can listen to their message ahead of time, their own message, before you leave the message to peg their personality. When you hear things like, hey, it's Bob, you know the drill, that tells you what type of message you should leave. If there is music in the background, it's like, hey, it's Sally, you know the drill, I'll return your call in 24 hours, that's a different type of message because that's a huge complaint. It sounds like you left the same message over 100 times because you probably have. No. So if you have to leave a message, go for it. Adapt it to their personality and leave us a little something unfinished. That old Zagarnik effect we've talked about before where the human brain remembers things that are unfinished, that create suspense. Let them know, yeah, the two things we talked about, I found a solution to the one. Give them a reason to take your call, something interesting that they want to learn, maybe something that solves their pain or their challenge. That's why news programs you're watching it, getting ready to eat, getting ready to turn off, like, you know what? Your drinking water is probably killing you. Stay tuned. That's the Zagardic effect. Unfinished. Arouses suspense and curiosity. That's the key to success. This was research done by Bluma Zagardic. She's a Russian psychologist who found out that people remember things better that are unfinished. And you could do the same type of things. We know this with lawyers, that if they can slowly reveal the information, it's more persuasive than all at once. Suspense, intrigue, people figure out for themselves, guilty. And the people have come up with their own conclusions, even though the lawyer planted the seed. That's what you do want to do over the phone. So the phone's a big thing, something you can work on, something that's important. A couple things that I would add too is work on your questions. It's over the phone. Anticipate the questions, write down the questions. If they're trying to monopolize the time, you probably want to use closed end yes, no questions. If you're not getting enough information, Open-ended questions, answering questions with the questions. It's no secret that great persuaders, great salespeople ask three times more questions than the average person. So remember your voice. This is how you captivate people. That's how you increase the charisma, the energy. If they're not listening, they don't care. Uh, your fault. Paint the picture. They can see, hear, feel what you're talking about. Capture their senses. Make it vivid with generous details. It's like listening to a movie. That's your goal. That's what you're working towards. You don't say, yeah, there was a lemon in the fridge. Everybody salivate. No, you paint the picture. You imagine being hungry. You know, your stomach's kind of rubbling and it's growling at you. And you come home and you open up the cupboards. There's nothing there. And you open the fridge and nothing really to eat. But there's this bright yellow lemon. You're like, oh, and so you get, take it out and you smell it. And you can smell that lemony, citrusy smell. And you know, you decide to cut it in half and you cut it and the golden juice kind of oozes on the counter and you just take it up and you sniff it again and you take a bite. <laughs> right? Now, many of you salivate. You're like, ah, that's what a story does. If you say, get angry, salivate, be jealous, get worried, that doesn't happen. It only happens when you paint the picture, you tell the story, you use an analogy, a metaphor, whatever it is, be descriptive. That's what you do with your voice. So it's a combination of your vocal variety and the words you use and how descriptive you are. That's the key to your success. So there you have it. That is Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. 
Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for the special of the week, the 111 sales hacks. Now, there's more than that, but three to four minute videos you can go through every day, every week, depends how fast you want to go, of a sales tool, the science, what it is, how it works, how to apply it, and you're going to get more tools in your influence toolbox. Check that out. But hey, thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. Check us out on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. And iHeartRadio, hit like, subscribe, leave us some feedback, appreciate that. Of course, email me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But hey, be more aware of your voice. Take one of the things that you learned today, use it, apply it, become more influential, and go out and persuade with power.